0: Manchester's indie rock and roll station. Excess Manchester. The Excess Manchester Long Player. An iconic album in full with Jim Salverson. Excess Manchester. Hello, I'm Jim, and this is The Excess Long Player. Conversations I've had with the people behind some of the most classic indie albums of all time. Today, we are talking Mosley Shoals with Steve Craddock. Ocean Colour Scene's second album and a true Britpop classic. I recorded this in the spring of 2021 when Mosley Shoals was celebrating its 25th anniversary. So there's a kind of reflective feel about this album as Steve looks back and remembers its recording. But when we're talking about classic indie albums, this surely has to be up there in most lists. I remember Q Magazine, voted it the 33rd greatest album of all time I mean I say I remember I looked it up and found out that was the fact in 1998 the 33rd greatest album of all time which is a pretty weighty accolade isn't it unbelievably in terms of chart success it only got to number two in the album charts it was actually beaten by Take That's Greatest Hits which I'll be honest with you probably won't be an album I do in the future on the Excess Manchester long player if it's been a while since you've listened to Mosley Shoals before you click play on this podcast you might want to go back and listen to the album right the way through or certainly when you have listened to this podcast maybe it'll inspire you to go and listen to the album from beginning to end because it is an absolute belter. Now this interview originally was broadcast on Excess Manchester as part of a show we do every single Thursday night at eight o'clock picking another classic album and playing it from beginning to end with insight from the people that made it and that's why I spoke to Steve Craddock. So let's get started. Today's Excess Manchester long player is Mosley Shoals Ocean Colour Scene's second album with guitarist Steve Craddock. How are you doing, Steve?
1: Yeah, great, thank you. Does it feel like yeah. a
0: quarter of a decade ago that you made this album?
1: Uh, I guess it does, yeah. It does not it doesn't.
0: God, it, what what, what it way? <laughs> I'm sure it's like, when you look back, it's kind of hazy memories. But I mean, the weird thing about music is it's there forever, isn't it? It's like you can listen to something that was made 25 years ago for the very first time yesterday, if that makes sense
1: it does make sense and it doesn't make sense it's it's like that about everything isn't it really because I can still remember being in the small studio where we did it and yet I can still appreciate that it was that long ago yeah it's bizarre and thankfully we're all around still to enjoy that
0: when was the last time you reckon you sat down and listened to the whole of Mostly Shoals in a row
1: probably the week after it was released wow I don't I don't really, I mean, i I go back and listen to tracks Isolated for when we go out on the road. i make sure that i try and get into where we were when we recorded it. But I think it's a bit weird sitting and listening to your own albums. So, yeah, it would have been when we finished it, we'd have listened to it back and sort of sealed it and signed it off, you know.
0: Well, it's a brilliant album. It's full of some absolutely massive tunes. So we're going to play one now. This is Day We Caught the Train from that iconic Ocean Colour Scene album, Excess Manchester. So the song we're going to be playing next from Mosley Shoals, Steve, is The Circle. Yeah. What do you remember about recording and writing this tune?
1: Me and Simon demoed that song. We had this uh, tiny little room at Bob Lamb's studio in King's Heath, and Bob Lamb was the man who was responsible for producing the UB40's signing off album. So we kind of had the vibe how it was going to sound but what was interesting about the actual session for that is we'd recorded a backing track for it and on that day where it was completed we uh, me and Paul were, Paul Weller was down in London doing a session I think it was for GLR or something like Gary Crowley's station and we drove up me and Paul drove up from London to Birmingham he plays guitar on it he plays the guitar mm. main riff on it and when we got there there was a guy from MCA called John Walsh who signed us on that night funnily enough so he was in the studio. It was only a really small control room. And me and Paul set up both the guitars. And we were literally face-to-face because there was that little room. And we recorded it in one take. the both electric guitar parts. And they both went down live. And then John Walsh and our guy, I think he sort of <laughs> himself with really. He was like, you couldn't <laughs> believe that Paul was in this sort of crappy little studio up in Birmingham. It was definitely an event for everyone, you know, for Paul, for ourselves. And it was a great evening of music. And he was kind of taken away by the whole thing, I think, and signed us.
0: Did it feel special when you were in the studio recording that stuff? Did it feel like something big was going to happen?
1: It felt, uh, oh, I don't know, really. Because as I say, it wasn't until that night that we sort of even knew that we had a deal for it. But it felt we were definitely focused on what our sound was. So I would like to say humbly that we did know that something special was happening. But again, it could have, you know, it could have gone out and sold three copies, and but it just still felt special to us.
0: It didn't sell three copies. It ninety two weeks in the album charts in the end, an absolutely phenomenal success. Do you think now we're twenty five years down the line? Do you think you appreciated that success at the time?
1: At the time, I think it's baffling, really. And also, what's good is you don't have time to collate it all. You just crack on to the next one. Because I think. We even had the audacity to release a B-side album after Mosley Shoals and before Marching Already, which is kind of, (laughs) to think that could even be a thing. I think it surprises me anyway, but that's what we did.
0: So the next track we're going to play off this album is You've Got It Bad, Steve, which is one of the ones you've picked to highlight.
1: Yeah, it is, yeah. I I really love that tune because it's kind of like a non-song song, song, if that makes sense. It was released, as I think it got to number nine in the charts when we played it on Top of the Pops. We put a white label of that out first before Riverboat. And then after Riverboat, we had an argument with the label, actually. They were saying that it's not commercial enough. Mm. But we were big Hendrix fans, you know, and it didn't have to be a pretty pop song. It was you know, And there, we thought that just the track on its own... And luckily, we were proved right, actually, that, that the fact it charted and did all right, luckily, I guess. Yeah, and it, it's interesting because it came from actually... Brendan Lynch gave us like a loop of... There was a 15 minute version or something of Good Vibrations by the Beach Boys and we picked out like a a couple of two bar loop thing from that, which is the part where I don't know if you know that 15 minute version of it, but it's a part where it all slows down. So we took that and looped it and I played the drums on it and I played and played and played. I think it was about 15 minutes long originally. So it came by that, really, by just sort of like a mental sort of stone jam. When we play it live, it still has that energy. I think it's a great track.
0: You mentioned you had a disagreement with the record company about what went out as a single. Was that a common theme between sort of a battle between yourselves and the record execs? Because I know One For The Road Off this album was going to be a single and that got pulled because you wanted to focus up on the the next album. So was it an ongoing battle of what would be commercially successful and how the band wanted to present themselves?
1: No, not at all. No, we had a fantastic label, MCA. All the people who worked at MCA we got on great with. In fact, the lady who plugged us Sally Edwards is now my wife
0: and
1: we've been married like 22 years now. But at the time, it was only that one little thing where they were, and I can kind of see where they were coming from. You know, they were saying, you've done all right with Riverboat. Let's just go to the, I think they wanted the circle next. And uh, we sort of stuck out for You've Got It Bad and then the circle. And then I think it was David called The Train. And that was the reason why One for the Road wasn't released is because we'd had four singles off it Mm. and we thought it was milking it a bit really going for a fifth single. It's a bit Maria, Maria Carey landing it? <laughs>
0: <laughs> the final track on this album is Get Away. For you, is that a highlight? Is that a kind of a, a crescendo to finishing off the album?
1: Well, I think it's the finest track that we've recorded and mixed and produced as, a, as the band, you know. I think that it depicts all the, our influences and more. We recorded it all. It was all recorded as it was, live, on 16-track, and we recorded it ourselves, and Brendan Lynch and Max Hayes, actually, who they produced the album. They came up and mixed it, but they mixed it into like splice cut-up technique where they would mix sort of, say, four bars at a time or a bar at a time. It still sounds like space-age music to me. I think it defines what we are as a group still to this day.
0: Why did it end up as the last track on the album then? Because I mean, I wouldn't say you're burying a track by putting it right at the end of an album, but in in general, kind of the the big hitters, the songs that are the band's favorites tend to be in that sort of 1 to 6 section.
1: Yeah, but we had enough good songs on the album. And it was about going out with a bang, really. I mean, if you Mm. look at the Roses album, which I'm thinking of bands that we were into, the Roses sort of ended on Resurrection, and the Lars ended with Looking Glass. So I think, even though that was three, four years before our album, that was kind of, we thought that was a good template to go with. That's kind of our Looking Glass and Resurrection, maybe.
0: Now you look back on it, 25 years on... How do you look back on it? Would you change anything about the album? Is it just absolutely perfect to you? Do you listen to some bits and go, oh, I, I just changed the the guitar in that or change the drums in that?
1: I wouldn't change anything. I think it's still a beautiful album. I think that, you know, the front cover, great. Not only does it say where we were at that time, it's managed, luckily, it's managed to survive this long. And I wouldn't change it all. And I wouldn't listen to it either, you know. Like I said before, <laughs> I think that's a bit weird. But I think it's perfect, you know, and I think it's a beautiful album still. Like very proud of it,
0: Steve. That's absolutely brilliant. It's been a pleasure chatting mostly shows with you. So, thank you very much for your time on
1: XS ah, Manchester. Bless you, thanks man. Nice one.
0: The XS Manchester Long Player, an iconic album in full with Jim Salverson. Excess Manchester, thank you very much for listening to the Excess Long Player classic album conversations with the people who helped make those albums. There's a load more to go at in this series, so make sure you listen to the other episodes. Talking pills and thrills and belly aches, happy Mondays, Cortina, St Jude, Mosley, Shoals, Ocean Colour Scene, Hour of the Wild Damon Gough, and Kaiser Chiefs employment. That's season one. Season two is coming soon. And if you want to get a notification as soon as that podcast series is up, click follow now and we'll send you a note as soon as season two is available. Plus, if you know someone who would love this podcast, maybe we've covered one of their favourite albums, make sure you tell your mates about it. And if you want me to do a specific album with a specific person, then why not get in touch? You can find me on Twitter at Mr. Underscore Jimbo. But I'll see you next time for the next XS Long Player. Manchester's indie rock and roll station. Access Manchester.